All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Civil Discord, your weekly dose of radical curiosity. I, again, am one of your hosts, Maurice Jones, sitting in the lovely state of Texas. And across from me, via some great technology, again, is Miss Amanda in the People's Republic of California. Amanda, how is it going? It's, it's a great day to be the Supreme Overlord of Liberty in the People's Republic of California. Uh, we have our first guest, which is super exciting. Yes, um, very exciting. We've got, so I, I know you as, I first knew you as Magoo. That is clearly not your real name. Um, it's Jim. So Jim, you have your own podcast and we wanted to have you on too because you're such a cool dude. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is that you do, what it is that you talk about? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you, fine people, for having me on. I'm so happy that you guys are doing this. I love your podcast. I've been listening to every episode as you've been putting them out, and I think you guys are crushing it. So please keep doing this. And I'm honored to be your first guest. But yes, thank I'm, you. I'm Jim. Uh, screen name, uh, I guess, is Magoo on the YouTubes and Discords, wherever they let me in. But um yeah, I've been kind of messing around with the podcast idea myself for a little over a year. Me and a couple of buddies of mine just get together and have just raunchy, not politically correct, very much not meant to be played around your parents on a loudspeaker. Um, but it's all politics, current events, whatever interests us for that week. And the title of this abomination is uh, known as Ignore the Rant. And it's kind of a it's an attempt at a play at words like ignorant um, because we all we it's just three ignorant people we just rant we understand that we come off sounding really stupid we're not trying to be Neil deGrasse Tyson or any level of we have no level of expertise other than the lives that we've lived and some people um, I won't say everybody but some people have said that they enjoyed it <laughs> but nobody says it's the best podcast but we're having fun I, I enjoy it well, thank you. It's 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 no, it's a great like a bunch of guys shooting. I, yeah, it, it's a bunch of like a bunch of guys shooting the shit kind of podcast. Exactly. So that's uh, that's it, it's a fun one to listen to. Yeah, it's um, I definitely have no issues with that as well, too. <laughs> well, yeah, we didn't. Oh, go, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It was go a slight delay. Oh, OK, um, yeah, we really had no idea what we were setting out for. You know, we had the idea before COVID hit and it was just going to be kind of a goofy, funny 30 minute a week thing and then the world ended and our subject matter shifted drastically as most you know for everyone else and it turned kind of into a weekly diary of the absurd and we're we're hopefully living up to the the latter it's great works great works good for me works good for me so um um, we again, we like Amanda said, we're definitely excited to have you on. We have, there's a lot happening in the world right now that we could discuss um, as far as things within um, the liberty movement. There are things happening on in Afghanistan that have been ongoing for th- weeks now. Um, things that are happening in Australia that have been going on for roughly two weeks now as well. Too all kinds of craziness that we can get into. But one of the things that Amanda wanted to bring up and wanted to discuss. Well, wait. This our, is, a, 
this was proposed by Jim. Don't don't, don't pin oh, this on me. This is whoa. his topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa. Okay, this is Jim's discussion. <laughs> yeah, we got to credit him. Yeah. Oh, my apologies. So this is what Jim or Magoo, which one would you like me to call you? Jim. That way I, I don't confuse myself. Jim is fine. Jim? Yeah. Okay. You know, my, my closest <laughs> friends call me Jim and only uh, on the internet am I referred to as Magoo. So y'all can call okay, me Jim. Sounds good. So. Awesome. So Jim brought this up and it was definitely a, um, a, a discussion worth something worth discussing. So we'll put it out there. So it reads as follows. What is the most effective in achieving long lasting change? Uh, so our two options are a fast moving, high energy movement that sweeps through the population. So things like Black Lives Matter, um, the, the war on terror, things of that nature, or a slow moving, non-recognizable swell that works over the generations. So in essence, I, I liken it to um, the the views on gun control. Um, that's been slow moving through everything. I mean, now you can, you, when you look at mom's demand action, that's very like in your face trying to be fast, but slow progression to a slow, pro, slow progression to an end. So that which one, is the best way, which one is the best route to go? Now I have my thoughts. I do on a lot of things, especially being, being a libertarian and a small L libertarian. Cause I don't quite associate with the party, but there's a lot of things going on with the party as far as how best they see fit to move forward um, with this political sphere and, and how, and how they want to operate, whether they should be libertarians or whether they should be Republicans and, and which, which idea is best. But so um, we'll toss it to Amanda first. If you just kind of want to, what, what are your thoughts? Just a general idea of, um, which, which route you deem best as far as how we should move forward. Right. Uh, and I really, I really loved this question. I, for me, I see it as sort of a question of what is better at moving water, a current or a wave. And I think you need, both, obviously, to, to move water. When you're talking about a current, we're obviously talking about a more a more slow, uh, a, a slower change, slower movement towards something. Whereas for a wave, obviously, you're talking about something that is much more profound and, and hits harder in, in the immediate sense. And each one informs the other. I think if you look at any, any change, you're going to be able to identify a time when that change was latent, but it was slowly that the popularity of that reform was seeping into the public consciousness. And then, you know, removing the Overton window, right? And then you're also going to have those larger social movements. One thing that is critical, and I would say this for any group of people who want social change, is when you're talking about a a larger, big movement, right? One of those really dramatic kinds of uh, hits really hard, that wave. It really has to be issue specific. And when you see the, the movements that produce true change, yes, there is, there's a tide, right? That carries, that carries the movement forward after the initial reform is achieved, but it's, you have to bite off one at a time, I think. And so often things get lost in the shuffle of, okay, well, this is, this is BLM, but it also stands for anti-capitalism. 
you know, you take it one at a time and then you get more of a following with respect to a particular issue. When it comes to libertarians, one of the criticisms that I've had of, of what you call the liberty movement and what I would just say are libertarian-minded people, small L libertarians, is there is a, an aversion to activism for a lot, or at least organized activism, because mm. I think so often libertarians are more anarchically minded and are averse to telling people what to do. Um, and so that, that's why, that's why we need me, the Supreme Overlord of Liberty to tell everyone like how to get Liberty. But yeah, I, I, that's, it's one of, one of my main criticisms. I was, when I was an undergrad, I had a, a professor who was the, the head of the, uh, the anarchist club at, at, at my undergrad. And I was in his office hours one day. He said, oh, I, I need to cut this short. The anarchists are coming. I, and I laughed and he said, you would like them. They're nice. And I said, that's the problem, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I think he got that before I did, in fact. Um, but there's, I, I think one of the shortcomings of people who are more liberty minded is there's not an ability to organize in an effective way. And I would want to see a movement that does both. I would want to see the, a movement that can organize itself and advocate for change just as much as I would want to see, you know, the inside the beltway, grunt work, policy changes, file the mm -hmm. amicus brief, all of that uh, non-romantic, non-glamorous stuff that also really matters. Right. So there's your non-answer. Jim, what are your thoughts? So I'm going to piggyback off of Amanda's water analogy because we kind of have experienced it as a country this past week with the hurricane down in Louisiana, which I'm actually dealing with the remnants of right now. You might see me turn to my left and I'm checking to see if the trees are blowing over or not. Um, no, it's not nearly as bad here, but you can, my example is that you can see in a very short amount of time, an entire city get taken over and become underwater with the energy of that one storm that is very powerful, but very centralized in comparison to an entire nation juxtaposed to like the Colorado river, which over millennia can cut through rock and create a Canyon that will last the entirety of the rest of time. So, but the, the amount of force is probably a lot greater with the river, but it's just over a longer period of time to get the longer lasting effect. That being a Canyon. Um, something that would take much greater energy to destroy, manipulate, change, alter, whatever. But a hurricane, you can just wait. It might be two weeks. It might be two months, but things will return. There's no force to keep that water, that flood water and the storm surge where it sits at its peak. It naturally will rest to its lowest area. So I was just thinking Amanda asked, hey, is there any topics that you want to think about? And I don't know why I didn't. This isn't something that's been like, you know, nagging on me. I just popped in my head and said, hey, what do you think about this? Because I see now to piggyback on the second half of what Amanda said. I guess I don't know if this makes me a good or bad liberty minded individual, but I'm not a big fan of activism. Because I see it as the storm surge. I see it as the quick and immediate. And I question if it will 
actually lend itself to long-lasting change because I'm of the mindset and it kind of got hit home a couple years ago when the Yuri Bezmenov video started getting very popular. Uh, if you don't know who he is, he's the former Russian KGB defector that came to America, was on this public access channel, was interviewed, and he was kind of going over the methods and ways in which that uh, the communist Russia regime wanted to overthrow America. And it was not through a hot war because they knew that that would just be far too destructive and everyone would lose. So the most effective manner would be to subvert the culture, subvert everything that Americans believed in to get them open to the ideas. Because if you can control someone's mind and control or at least lead the way they think, you have a lot more power than by dropping bombs, which to me I thought was a brilliant change uh, in the direction of what the 20th century was all about. And so that's why I got to thinking, I think you can achieve change through short bursts of high energy. But if we look even back at the Black Lives Matter movement just from last year, even though it came about back in 2014, last year was really the year of Black Lives Matter. I mean, if I don't think many people are going to argue with that, um, but I'd be happy if you did. Um, but so last year was the year of Black Lives Matter. They renamed roads. I mean, everybody was aware of it. But what did that get us? Other than the political ends that I believe that they were truly there for, what they claim to be there for seems to have vanished. And there doesn't seem to be really uh, near... I don't hear anything about police brutality or police shootings, nothing to the degree that we were just 12 months ago. And so maybe, maybe that's misleading me away from activism being an effective tool. So that might be a discussion that could be interesting to have. But I guess for me to make my opening remarks, I stand more on the slow burn method of achieving societal, cultural, foundational change to get to the end result. Patience pays off, that kind of thing. Um, but knowing that Amanda is a little bit more on the activist, you know, more friendly with the idea of activism, I would assume, um, I figured that it could make a uh, interesting conversation. Definitely, definitely, and I, I, I will probably lean on both. And I, I don't want to say like I, I've got my toes in 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 the in both both sides of the water here. So but, much water, <laughs> exactly. Like so many water references. <laughs> but I, I, I think it's a great example because you see, because both do make changes, um, and and understanding that that you a lot of and and i guess you using rivers is is not quite the same example but if you if you talk about currents and so forth if you you need a big splash in the very beginning and then that ripple effect just keeps going and going and going and going and and it goes along with the current as long as the current is moving and so you could you could start big and it kind of progresses on or whatnot but if I'm being honest, I'll probably lean more in the slow, methodical type type things. And I guess I, I feel like that's a lot of libertarians. And most of it is because I feel like we live in a in a society where we we want some instant gratification. And so it's it's if most people are thinking like instant gratification, like I want the activism, I want the activism. 
libertarians have this idea of, I know that what I want is not going to happen today. Yeah. Like, I know it's not going to happen tomorrow. This is not the, this, this ideology that we have is not a turn off the flip on the switch and everybody just changes. It's a, it's a, it's a progression towards something. And so we've kind of got to latch on to something to, to make that happen. And the, the activism, I, in a, and I would say in a lot of libertarians minds doesn't really change a whole lot of people because our ideology, even though it's so basic, everybody thinks like, oh, it's so basic, like everybody can get it. When you start getting into the weeds, it really ruffles some feathers and people are just like, OK, like I don't want to do with that. You know, if you talk to a conservative about, hey, the non-aggression principle and, and people start going at like once you get to, OK, let's talk about cops. They're like, oh, no, 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 we can't have that conversation now because now you're starting to sound like a leftist, mm -hmm. you know, or when you when you're talking to the left and you're talking about, you know, war and things of that nature as soon as you start getting down to hey we're not taking from other people that and that means taxes and like, oh no 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 that that's what we have to do to, to live in a civilized society like they'll find some reason to to hate what you're doing and so it's it, it's a whole lot easier when you do the slow um slow progression because that's what in all honesty that's what the left has done over the past what I mean, we're talking 40 years now, slowly taking over academics, slowly taking over the schools. So, I mean, heck, as a teacher now, I literally had some student on a on a on an assignment talk about eating the rich. You know, and this is a, a 16 year old kid. And we're just talking about personal finance. And the question was, wh why is it America is so wealthy, yet we have so much debt? And they're like, Without getting into the eat the rich conversation, <laughs> the rich are hoarding the wealth. Like, like th that, that's literally the conversation that we had. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I've got a long way to go with you. See, but it's, it, and, th and that's why I couldn't be a teacher. Cause my first example would be like, well, in comparison between you, the student and the principal, the principal is the most wealthy person in this entire kingdom. So by that measure, you need to go overthrow the president right now. Now exactly. go give that a shot and let me know how your life improves. I mean, as far that's as why you should be a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe. What do you think I do? <laughs> but my point is, is everyone knows that that principle is not that wealthy. But in mm -hmm. that one circle, in that one environment, that principle is king, the most successful, right. probably wealthiest person on campus. But right. in the greater spectrum, it's nothing. So. Right. You can eat the rich, and this is just a sidebar. I've, you know, like I said, I rant. You can eat. It's all good. You can eat all the rich you want. You'll never get full because there's always going to be somebody richer than who you just ate. So exactly, that's that's going to be a very long, you know, low time preference uh, ordeal, and you're going to have to take out a lot of people. And it's just when anytime that's been tried, it usually doesn't work out for the people thinking that they are actually getting to the rich. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's Ecclesiastes. Man never goes to his grave with half his desire satisfied. Um, but and and there's your biblical scholarship for today, everyone. Uh, just try to get that in there. Um, I I guess a couple responses that I was writing down for for both of you. Um, 
you brought up the example, Jim, of, of BLM. And this is one of those issues where I think partly it has to do with tactics, right? So we're still not clear on what BLM wants, which sounds it's just completely counterintuitive because it should be about, like you said, it should be about Black Lives Mattering. It, it should be about racial justice. And it, it should be about, in in terms of the George Floyd protest, Breonna Taylor protest, it should be about police brutality in particular. That's what we're led to believe. But when you look at what the higher-ups of BLM really want, they don't seem concerned with that. And what they are concerned with, it's almost like you had you had that initial wave. And then on the tails of that wave, you had, let's, let's go to air. So on the headwinds, instead of water, we moved. On the headwinds, we now have this slower, this slower social growth, this slower ideological, okay, now we're going to talk about anti-racism. Now we're going to talk about how capitalism, well, I've, I've always, I've been hearing about how capitalism is bad ever since I started, you know, academic, academia. So, but now, now it's becoming more and more of a thing. So I would say that in some ways, BLM has been successful, just not in the ways that they are leading general audiences to believe they want to be successful. And whether that is a failure or a success of their movement, I think it depends on you know, with respect to whom, right? If it's, if it's with respect to the higher ups, then it's successful. If it's with respect to those of us who want to end qualified immunity want to see, you know, less of a differential between plea bargain sentences or coerced confession sentences and the trial sentence. If, if it's that, then no, it hasn't been successful. Um, and I, I guess that, that gets into what I had to say with to Maurice as well, that sometimes... I think libertarians and people who are more liberty-minded have a problem with visibility, right? Because we've got Republicans and they want this. We've got Democrats and they want that. I also think it depends what your tactics are. It depends on whether you're an actual party, in which case you should probably have a slower societal change movement versus if you are an activist block that aligns with a certain party. Then I would say there's there are more avenues for protests. Um but libertarians have an issue with visibility. And one thing that protests do and one thing that big revolutionary movements do is they give you visibility for better or for worse. So it's one of those avenues that I don't think we take advantage of enough. And we're also, it's just a muscle that we don't flex as libertarians. And we need to be training that muscle. Um, when it comes to the libertarian party, is it the role of a party organization to be staging these these types of revolutionary movements? I don't think that works really well. I think the the only time that you really see something like that is during truly revolutionary eras. The Bolshevik Revolution and the Bolshevik Party both come to mind. I don't know if we're there yet. I certainly wouldn't want, wouldn't want to compare libertarians to Bolsheviks. <laughs> It's, I, you know, I, I think in, in terms of the tactics that you use, uh, you do need to strike that balance and it's going to depend on what institutions are we talking about? Are we talking about a party institution or are we talking about a, you know, a group of, a group of punk kids? Yeah. I, and well, and real quick, I just want to finish up on the BLM thing. I think that they, I, and I agree with you. I think that they were successful. 
because I don't think that they were truly out for what they're, they were advertising. I think that they right. were a cog in the larger wheel that was fundraise and get Democrats elected. Mm. And, and, yeah. and on that end, um, it's hard to quantify exactly how much they directly had to do with the end result, but because the end result is what it is, they have succeeded and now they can, like floodwaters, recede back into the ocean until the next time they need to storm. Uh, because I truly believe that if Trump uh, retained his presidency, BLM protest would have never stopped. We would probably have, you know, three more years of it uh, to maybe a lesser degree. Or, but whether it's different or the same, I think that they would still be active and you'd be hearing about it. Um, but that, you know, can't prove it because we're not in that we're not in that timeline. So I think that for what they truly wanted to accomplish, good on them. They were successful. The criticism would be that, and this is just my personal opinion, that they had to use tactics and certain emotional ties that are deep rooted issues amongst everyone in this country to achieve that, which I think is pretty lowbrow. I, I think it's a uh, below the belt and I think it was unnecessary. I think it would be totally necessary if they actually were still pushing for the things they claimed that their name stood for. I would support most everything that they are about, but I think that they used a short road to get a, well, what they would probably think is, is a long road achievement, but you're talking about four year bursts, maybe really only two year bursts. Um, so they, they went for it. They got what they wanted. And I don't see the long lasting change that a lot of people thought that they were going to get with it. I mean, hell, even Vice had a special on the originators of BLM and Ferguson and, you know, the, the mother of Tamir Rice and other parents of black men or, you know, black youth that died at the hands of police that are vehemently now speaking out against BLM because they never got the financial support or the, the people to come and rally behind them for that cause in which the name actually stands for. And they slowly are realizing, Oh, we've been had that really, this is only enriching a totally different group that has no connection to our plight, our town, um, and our argument in general. And so now you're going to see the point where they get the backlash from, the large crowd that was their support mechanism. So I think that they made a, I think they made a mistake there, but it was effective in the short term. I, I think it's going to prove to be a much greater negative, um, you know, over the next five, 10 years, in my opinion. Definitely. Definitely. And, and I think um, along with the BLM people, I would say within the past year or so, like when, when BLM started to, when, when they were doing the, all the riots and, and cities were burning and so forth, people started to learn what the organization was that was, was, it was actually about. And they started to, to say, Hey, I'm with the movement, not the organization. Yep. Like, so, and, and that's when you started to really see, see, see the, the, the divergence of, okay, because BLM is not, they're not saying exactly um, where all these funds are going. They're not um, telling us, you know, we raised, I think they were like, let's say we raised 30 million, $30 billion for BLM over the past year and a half. 
and nobody knows where those funds are going. So people are saying, I don't associate myself with the organization, but I associate myself with the movement, which I don't associate with either. But they, 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 they're, I think they've, the, the people who, who have headed the organization have realized that. And so that's why we're starting to see the waters recede. And, and, and dial it back because if it was still constantly BLM, 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 people would say, well, that organization isn't worth it, isn't worth anything because they're not helping black lives. And you would have a whole bunch of conservatives come out and say that because that's what they were doing in the beginning. And then and then you would start to have more libertarians kind of do that. But I would on on the, on the flip side of that, as far as the activism goes, like when, when Amanda was talking about activism, I see for for me, the the reason why I feel like libertarians aren't so active is because the things that we want to protest don't really people don't really care about. Um, and and if people do care about them, they associate us with the left or the right. So if we do as, as libertarians, as small libertarians, if I want to say, hey, I care about police brutality but I don't want to associate with Black Lives Matter. How do I go and I protest that? Because when I do, people automatically assume it's Black Lives Matter. If I want to go and protest the the um, vaccine mandates that, that certain states and cities are starting are starting to do, I get deemed as a crazy right wing Republican and not as a libertarian. And so I think a lot of libertarians are like, I don't want to be associated with, with those things. So that's why I, I stay away from the activism aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not that's a, that's, that's right for them to, to stay away from that is, is, is a, I think that's a different discussion, but I feel like a lot of libertarians kind of think like that. Like, I'm not going to go march with them because everybody's going to think that I'm this or that I'm that. And I don't want to be associated with them because they're crazy and I'm not. So if I'm if I'm hearing you correctly, it's one of the problems that you've identified is that any time libertarians engage in activism, they're either identified as being on the left and on the right. And then all of the sludge that comes with that. No. So anytime they 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 want to protest anything it's always something that the left or the right is already protesting. Right. It's not anything that's unique to their own. Right. So th- there is no, no concept of, sorry. So like if, if I want to go and protest property taxes, like I just look like some crazy, crazy guy on the street with a sign saying, get rid of property taxes, the government, it's my, it's my money. The government is this the government is that as, and so people think I'm crazy as opposed to actually protesting something that, that that for anybody for a lack of be- for for a lack of better term that that's worth anything to anybody. Well, but I think does that makes sense. It does, it totally makes sense. I think that's also part of libertarianism's marketing problem, right? So because you're absolutely right. You can't go you, you can't just stand on a street corner and be like, you know, protesting property taxes. Stop saying in the fed people, that's also a big market. I mean, you can say it to, to your libertarian friends, it's fine. But in terms of getting people behind something that is so wonky, it, it does not work. And so this is what more established parties can do really well if they are engineering a social movement or if they are pulling the strings on that or if it's just a, a more organically organized movement. Um, I, I think that 
libertarians do care about the things that people want to protest, right? So we, education, libertarians should be out on the forefront with opening up schools. And that's become a right-wing issue. But if you had a libertarian-oriented education movement, it wouldn't just be open up the schools in person five days a week. It would be, and let's have open enrollment for for schools in every state. Let's do this. Let's do this. So if you had libertarians managing the narrative behind, here's what we really want. Here's the short term. Here's the long term. You would see a distinction in whether this is identified as a right-wing movement versus a left-wing movement versus we're not really sure. It's also about framing, right? If you frame it in terms of when you... um, when you take away the education achievement gap, you take away every other racial achievement gap virtually that exists. It's again, it's about the framing. It's about the marketing. So I do think that libertarians in theory, I mean, not just in theory and practice do care about things that other people care about. Um, it just, it has to do with there not being, <laughs> there's, there's just not, a marketing arm. And when there are people who are good at marketing, I feel like the organization is lacking. Now, that's something I'm glad that you touched on that, because that's what I was slowly working towards is any anytime you get somebody to act, that's a sales job. You sold them Mm -hmm. on a big part of sales. Well, let me stop. Okay. To get somebody to change their behavior, that is no different than sales. In fact, that's all sales is, is getting you to change your behavior in accordance to what the salesperson is trying to get you to do, whether that is to like a page on social media, exchange finances to uh, receive a good or service or something of that nature. Your, your, marketed, your, your goal is to get the individual that's across the table from you or on the other side of the phone or the other side of the text chat to change what they've been doing to do that thing, to buy you, to buy you. And the way that I see it is in sales, you have to prove that there's a reason to make that change. In other words, you got to show them what their pain is. You have to, you have to associate it to them so that they, they realize that there is a pain and that they need to do what this salesperson is asking them to do to alleviate alleviate that pain. Now, libertarians are very good at recognizing the pain. Um, they're pretty good at even putting together sales pamphlets. But I see it as just like what Amanda said: we have we don't have any salesmen. We don't have good salesmen. And I see occasionally in the libertarian movement, you'll have a Ron Paul. Um, you know, who was a great salesman, got a lot of people to change and to buy in. And then you had a nice, you know, six, seven year lull. And then Dave Smith shows up, who is arguably probably the most popular libertarian salesman. Now, he can be the greatest salesman in our libertarian company, but we are a small mom and pop shop on the corner of some small town while the two big parties or the main the the other big sphere known as the real world are full of fortune 500 companies you have your gms and your fords where they are competing against each other but they are they dwarf anything that the the small little local 
car company back home is even capable of. So while Dave Smith is the top salesperson for this small company, those Fortune 500 companies are not worried about this one good salesman when they've got an army of them. It's You need something almost like uh, Elon Musk and Tesla to then have that swell over time uh, to make GM and Toyota and the big Fortune 500, you know, the duopoly and all those buzzwords to get them to change their actions because now they have actual competition. Um, so while it's fun to recognize the best salesman, you know, salesman of the month, that they still have like 2,000 of those. Um, so we got to get better at marketing. We have to get better propaganda. We have to get better at not just addressing, speaking from a principled you know, corner in the room, which is how we're so good at addressing and identifying the pains, but we do a shit job, excuse my language, of, of making that pain relatable to the everyday common man because we don't have good salespeople. Mm-hmm. Because in a lot of ways, uh, in the libertarian world, we like to say everybody in the libertarian world is a little bit autistic. We don't really connect with the everyday person because we can hyper focus on certain things where other people just go, yeah, that's life property taxes. That's whatever, man, I've got bigger things to worry about. You're right. You're being an activist about property taxes when I'm, I'm willing to already accept that. So you're not making this anything that's going to make me change my behavior. You're not a good salesman. So I'm going to go back and buy that GM and good luck with your little Tesla project. Right. I, and I go. I, I, yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why I, I do enjoy Dave Smith because he talks about things that are actually actually affecting people's lives. So he's been talking about lockdowns for the past year and a half. He's been he's been talking about COVID for the past year and a half. He's been talking about um thing. He's been talking about the war. Um, people who are actually dying. He's been talking talking about that since as long as I can remember. Um, having having people on his show discussing these things. And so I, I was I was going to add I was going to ask Amanda. So um, from an activist standpoint, what do you feel like libertarians should actually be discussing? So mm-hmm. I, I know you, you talked about education. So, hey, we're right there with the conservatives open the schools. I don't I mean, I, I know I work at a school and they're, they're going to hate me for this, but I may not I may not be on that same train as far as opening the schools because I feel like they're they're their indoctrination camps to to discuss things like eat the rich and so forth um because i don't know where else they're learning this stuff but but so so what should libertarians be doing from an activist standpoint to help um i won't say get the name out there but to to first off separate themselves from all the sludge and gunk of the left and the right but as well as being effective in touching the right pain points so people can say, Hey, okay, that's right. That affects my life. And that's something different than what I hear from everybody else saying. Yeah. And that's a great question. The, the easy answer, the short answer is I would say be an activist about anything that has a human face and that's going to change. That's going to change depending on what go, what's going on with, with education. It was so easy last year because there were so many human faces of, of people who were, you know, kids who had to use their mom's phone because they didn't have Wi-Fi to log on for Zoom and their mom didn't come back until late because she did shift work. So this kid, you know, all of these things, right? 
that's where you want to target your attention. Now, Jim gave me a completely fresh, well, fresh and not fresh because I, I used to work in PR land and this is something that I don't know why it hasn't hit me before. Um, you're talking about pain points. What we used to do every time we had a new client, you know, you take them through media training and you also put together, I used to love doing this. I used to beg to do this on my team because I loved it so much and I got good at it. We would put together a PR brief that had, okay, so who's the client? What are they selling? So what are the pain points, right? Exactly what you walked through, Jim, with what are people losing out on by not having this product? What's the problem? What is the solution? And how does this product, and in our case with libertarians and, and, and issues, how does this approach provide the solution that we just marketed to the pain points that we just alerted people to. Cause a lot of times you have to sell people on the idea that they're in pain because you don't realize it. Uh, so it, you go through this entire layout where you have the pain points and in that first part of that PR brief for an issue, then you have the solution that we're advocating. Then you have the how of how we achieve that solution. And then there's boilerplate. You always write the boilerplate at the very end. And it's just, it's, it's kind of like talking points that you keep coming back to. And the, there would be these long outlines so that at the very top, there would be a, a little pithy remark. And then you would just go blow by blow more and more detailed, depending on if you were, again, in PR, um, you were doing a long form interview versus a short form interview versus you were calling in depending on how much time you had, you can go into more and more detail. And we'd use that for media training. And I think that we need to be putting these together for libertarian issues. When we talk about education, okay, getting very specific. Um, and, uh, you know, let me see if I can find something here. Yeah, something like the welfare state. If we say, okay, where we're headed is a society whose welfare programs not only alleviate pro poverty, but promote prosperity. Well, what are our main lanes to doing that? Promoting prosperity, removing barriers to aid and achievement, empowering giver choice and guarantor accountability. And then for each one of those, okay, how do you promote pro prosperity? Economic access, licensure, liberalization, increase uh, economic access and remove barriers to starting a business, have on-ramps for fintech. Then you get more and more and more in the weeds. So this is the sort of thing that I would love to see people doing at a more organizational level so that you have the literature. And then when you've got those in the street protest movements, right, you have the boilerplate where you can just rattle off what do we want, when do we want it, how do we want it, why does it matter? All righty. Well, if I stick with my car company example, and correct me where I might fall short in this analogy, because I'm simple man brain. I got to work with like simple analogies. And if I'm saying them, they usually work out in my favor. But if, uh, if I'm incorrect anywhere, please correct. So like with the, with the two car companies, let's say GM is the GOP and Chevrolet is the Democratic Party. And we're Tesla or, or something even probably smaller being libertarians. And we don't like either Chevrolet. Well, 
GM is Chevrolet. Anyway, Ford and GM there. That's better. Ford is. I'm glad you got that. I was Ford, like, that's going to drive me nuts. <laughs> Ford is Republican. GM is left wing. Let's just say that. And let's say, well, I don't want to buy either of your cars. Um, but damn it. Y'all just keep outselling everybody. Like we can't even compete with you. One of the ways, uh, one of the old school ways is just go burn down their factories. <laughs> that would be radical. Um, mm-hmm. but, but everybody would go to jail or get killed and then they would just build another factory. So that would not work. You can protest outside their offices. You can say, you can, you can talk about how much fuel they use, how much waste they have, all these other things. And, and, to try to tear them down that way. Well, they will just modify their methods of production to, to get you to get off their back and still maybe even do something good for the environment, but they're still going to sell. You're, you're not making them any smaller or the way that I see it is the individual can go to school. Like first you have to learn the access points. How do you get into this organization? How do you get to the top of that organization? You go to graphic design school, you go to engineering school, you go to marketing, you, and it's best if you have a uh, small army of people going to all these different things, get into that company, work your way to the top. It might take 20 to 30 years, but once you're the executive board, if you haven't been totally corrupted on that path, now you can actually affect the change that you couldn't while being outside that organization and outside in the streets just yelling. Um, and so to me, that's activism is more Machiavellian type subverting structures by not becoming them, but doing what's necessary to not be the loudest, you know, flamethrower outside, be the quietest church mouse on the inside until you obtain the power. And now you can actually wield it in the way that you like. Sure, but as I'm sure you know about Machiavelli, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but this this is a good point. So it's it's not a binary choice, right? You have Machiavelli who says that tumults are necessary, but of course he also talks at length about institutions and and how institutions need to be modified and reordered, and he talks about the fact that uh, you're reminding me that those new modes and orders oftentimes are egged on by tumult. He also has that great uh, metaphor of the lion and the fox, right? So you're describing a fox-like strategy where you have someone who is on the inside and is sort of a fifth column. But he also says, well, you also have to be a lion. A lion and that I think you're talking about the, the roaring in the streets and the, the necessary tumults. I, I don't regard it as a binary choice. And I think that you're correct that there are so many avenues toward reform. And I'm never going to sit back and say, don't go be a fifth column, because that's one of my favorite things, said the UCLA <laughs> PhD student. Um, <laughs> I know, I kid. But, uh, <laughs> but there are, you know, there, there's, there's a way for, I think, each of these strategies begets the other. I don't think you have one without the other. Um, and I would, I don't know, I would worry about the, the fatalism of the person who just says, okay, well, all I can do is I can just maybe work my way up to the top in this organization and then achieve, uh, achieve my outcomes that way. Because in your analogy, you were talking about car companies, right? 
but we're not selling the product that we're selling isn't a name. It's not something that is just going to give us money. The product that we're selling is an idea. So in your analogy about talking about how other car companies weren't environmentally sustainable, if the response to that is that these other car companies, the Republicans, the Democrats, if they change their approach, if these other car companies start making more environmentally sustainable automobiles, then we've achieved one of our major policy aims. So if libertarians are agitating in the streets, right, and in response to that, Republicans and Democrats say, okay, well, let me shift what I'm doing here because people are sort of behind this, then that's a victory, even if we don't get a libertarian elected. So quick counterpoint. Yeah. They're more environmentally sound based on the metrics at that time. But a lot of Mm -hmm. times what happens is if you push for more liberty from government, they always find a way to subvert it so that it ends up yielding a worse result, probably longer because we don't, you know, the, the, the next thing is, okay, well, what do we do with all these car batteries? We, they're not reusable under our current technology. We've, to this point, we've potentially created a worse environmental problem by trying to, you know, uh, pacify this issue where what I'm talking about is toppling those two car companies, right. which is kind of what libertarians are about. Like we need to topple the two, uh, establish, you know, the establishment because any, they're only going to do whatever they think is going to keep people at bay long enough so that they can still stay on top and survive. So I guess I'm, I'm talking more of, uh, not just selling more cars, but become the company so that you can tear it down. Um, but at the same time, I agree with you. I don't think there's just a one quick, easy way I'm more fascinated in the conversation and like the, the debate between which one do we think is maybe more effective, but I don't think that there is one without the other or that only one is the correct way. Cause I think in the end, the, the end message, uh, if I'm going to leave anybody with anything, that is that both your, your model of activism and protest and mine of subversion and hopefully ranking up in the hierarchy both of them require action. Both of them mm-hmm. require doing something and not just settling and acceptance. It's yeah. once you've once you've been exposed to the pain point, it's incumbent that you do something to yeah. to actually create that change. Now, we started with what do we think is more effective? The the flashpoint, the 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 fastest way to get there or the longer way to get there. And I think we've kind of touched on that throughout the episode as far as, you know, what we think is quicker, what we think is slower. Uh, you know, I like I like one version better than the other, but and I I may be just now coming back on Maurice's side riding the fence. Uh I don't think there is a best way. I think that in the end as long as you are doing something, then you're doing, you're doing the best thing that you can do. Yeah. I, I agree with you and I'm going to let Maurice talk in a second, but I'm kicking back and enjoying this. I really am. Y'all keep going. <laughs> no, I, well, so I'm all about subversion. I think I I'm laughing at myself because I think it's really funny that I am, I'm probably one of the, 
I constantly get on myself. I get on, on my own case for not being um, vocal enough about things and not being, you know, just, just, I'm, I'm much more of the, let's see if I can do this cagely without getting noticed type. And it's something that maybe because I notice it in myself that I'm like, okay, this is not always the most, most effective strategy. Um, you brought up a point about wanting to topple the hierarchy and you, you, we went back to the car company analogy that, well, then you just, you start, doing the same bad thing in a different way. Well, and that's why you need the continued agitation that no, okay, here's the problem with the batteries now. And for me, I don't need to topple the hierarchy for toppling the hierarchy's own sake. There are certain things that I want to see change. And I don't think this is going to happen without protest. I don't think this is going to happen without fifth columns and all that. But if I can get, we're plugging the fifth column podcast now too. We've plugged (laughs) plugged so many Um, great podcasts, but if, if we can get the education platform that we want via, via one party or another, if we can do all this through protest movements, then you don't necessarily need to just, replace all of the leadership, although that happens because of terms, they expire, you can agitate for change and achieve change through multiplicity of channels. Again, I I, I always go back to what, for what sake am I doing this? And it's never just to topple the hierarchy. It's so that people can live a freer life. It's so that people can have greater freedom of thought exchange and movement and there are there are so many ways to get that and and real quick to touch on that i don't want this to get left out because everything i've said up until this point has not addressed this particular thing i'm about to say i think that just toppling something for the sake of now that doesn't exist that achieves nothing if you if if the uh not you you know both of y'all but the collective you if you don't have a idea of what you want and what you think needs to replace that and which needs to get toppled don't even uh, don't even start don't even become an activist don't don't even try to subvert anything if you don't know wh- what is going to replace that and which you want to remove then don't even get involved I think that we can look at what's going on over the last month in Afghanistan and agree that this is what happens if you try to go in and topple something without any ability to actually replace it with something better than what you than how you found it. It's the simple camper's law. Leave the camping site better than you found it. Um, if you come in and just trash the place for the sake of saying, you know, Jim was here. Well, congratulations. Uh, You've done nothing but made everything worse. The place was actually better before you got there, believe it or not, even with its problems. So that's a big part of it is if you're not willing, ready, and knowledgeable to know what is going to be there when the mission is accomplished, then I don't, I would hearken, I would advise not even going on that mission. Fabulous. (laughs) Just fabulous. I'm like, I, 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 
I'm now motivated to go be an activist because I'm like, I got to replace it with something. And, <laughs> and, and there, there's action to, to be done, which is honestly, which is one of the biggest reasons why I decided to get into teaching. Mm-hmm. Because I know that 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 is a spot where a lot of kids are being taught a whole bunch of economically wrong things and they go out and they become citizens and then they turn into protesters that want to eat the rich and have Black Lives Matter movements and burn down cities and things that I'm not a part of. So um, thank you guys. Jim, you are awesome. Um, we definitely love you. We love we love the Good Morning Liberty podcast that has actually brought all three of us together, Indeed. Uh, which is how we, we know each other because of we're all Patreons in that group and so forth. Yes, Jim is holding up his 500, um, Liberty, 500 episode for Good Morning Liberty plaque that I unfortunately did not have the opportunity to go and hang out with everybody. Me either. But um, I was there. I got my plaque <laughs> in person and a T-shirt. Shout, oh, see, shout out gorgeous. to Nate. She's the real one. Shout out to Nate. Shout out his, to Nate. Uh, yeah. Don't tread on me. We, we've got like a little emblem. I got my so little forth, collection. Exactly. We, we we definitely love the guys and what they're doing over there. But Jim, before we sign off, is there anything? Um, plug, plug your podcast, um, social media, where to find you, where people can follow you and, and, um, and, and find out what's going on in the life of Ignore the Rant. Absolutely. And again, thank you guys so, so much for having me on. Uh, I love both of you tremendously. I appreciate you as people. I love our conversations that we have. Sometimes when we bounce over to video chat through the Good Morning Liberty Patreon Discord, it's been an absolute honor to be your first guest. Um, I, I just love our conversations. So thank you for that opportunity. And yeah, if you if your listeners haven't been totally turned off by the way my voice sounds or the ideas that I bring up, uh, you're more than welcome to follow my little show called Ignore the Rant on all major podcast platforms. And I run our ear, uh, our uh, Instagram page over at Ignore the Rant underscore podcast, where basically I just share memes. And that's the way that I announce how the new episodes are out. And we're just three dudes having fun shooting the shit. And it's nothing but locker room talk with a little bit of politics and uh, some current events. So if you're down for that, come check us out. Awesome. Beautiful. Well, guys, definitely, definitely do that. Go check out Jim and his podcast. Um, I love it, but it's probably because I'm a guy and I, I, I dig it. <laughs> I do. I love, but I also really love boys cast. So I'm not really exactly. sure if I'm, a, <laughs> like, I'm a, addicted to boys cast. Anyway, we will. Um, we, we definitely love it. And Jim, again, thanks for coming on. Um, feel free. Leave a rating and review five stars. If you think we're worth it, I know we are worth it. This episode is especially worth it because we have a special guest on. So definitely leave a five-star rating review wherever you catch your podcast with us. Um, But again, until next time, y'all be easy. Stay fierce.